Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Show. Uh, this is episode number one, or this is actually not a part of the list of episodes. Um, the normally scheduled episode that I episodes that I release daily. Um, you know, I, obviously I release them every day. That's what daily means. So the next one, episode number one hundred sixty-seven or sixty-eight, forgot which one uh, precisely. It will uh, come out later today. Today is Tuesday, October 30th, 2018. And right now it's just after 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. And on this episode, it's a special guest episode. I'll be interviewing Zach Takis. He's a current um, amateur MMA fighter. He's trying to become a professional very soon. And um, yeah, so he is trying to make it as an MMA fighter. And he's Hungarian. His nickname is the Hungarian Haymaker. He has a record of four and one. Uh, in the amateur MMA world. He's 24 years old. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. And um, so I'm going to be calling him right now. And without further ado, let's get down to it. You'll be hearing me ring him. And uh, I'm doing that as we speak. I'm calling Zach right now. Hopefully, we're in for a good interview. I've done a lot of interviews, not that many interviews so far, but one very recently. But anyway, here we go. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Hey, Zach. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. So I have some questions for you today. You're an amateur MMA fighter, so I have a lot of questions for you. I'm a fan of MMA myself, so I have some interesting questions. Awesome, yeah. So the first one, the first kind of section of them is just going to be about you. I just want to know about a little bit about your personal life. Your what was it like growing up? Where are you from? What did you do when you were a kid? Just things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm currently 24 years old. Um, I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is you know the MMA capital of the world right now. Huge fight city, um, lots of sporting events and everything. Um, I was adopted. I was adopted by an older black couple, and uh, I grew up in like a predominantly Mexican neighborhood. So I was. It was interesting. It was very interesting growing up. Um, I was angry as a kid, so I got in a lot of fights, and then I started in karate originally, which you know taught a lot of discipline and things like that. And then high school came around, and I started wrestling, and I mm. kind of fell in love with it, but didn't really keep my grades up, so I couldn't do all four years. I did about two and a half, three years of wrestling, and then after that, I went to a Muay Thai gym, okay. a boxing gym, and then kind of fell in love with it, and then three months after training, I took my first Muay Thai fight, and then... All right, so your first Muay Thai fight, I just want to get this clarified. Was, is it a part of your current MMA amateur record, or is that separate? That's separate. So when I'm doing these Muay Thai fights, they weren't really sanctioned. Um, they were big events. They were kind of like smokers. So there was really no real record of most of my Muay Thai fights. I think only one of them was on record. And then in MMA here in California... They, they fall under a separate thing um, called camo MMA, and they regulate the whole thing. But even MMA fights I've had in Vegas don't go on my record for camo. Um, 
like on topology pages and stuff like that, you can see my all around record from Vegas and California, but that's, it's, that's all strictly MMA. Mm -hmm. So you said you were getting into trouble when you were a kid. Uh, were you at all thinking of what you want to do when you, when you get older? Were you, were you always in, wanting to do some kind of fighting MMA, karate? No, um, I actually rode BMX and uh, skateboarded and stuff, so that was kind of my thing. And I always wanted to perform. Mm. I just didn't know what I was going to do, what I was going to perform at. And when I was a kid, UFC was really just starting out. I mean, boxing would have probably been the way to go. But, um, yeah, I wasn't super interested. Um, I recently just got into boxing a lot when I moved to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. which people who don't know, it's a, boxers come from all over the world to box in LA. So it's a very big scene here. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really exposed to boxing that much when I was a kid. Okay, so you said you had pretty bad grades when you were a kid. You, were, you said you were an angry kid. Does, does, that, does that mean you didn't really like school? Okay. Uh, what's your what's your daily routine like? You know, I see on on social media you work out, you post a lot of workout videos. What's your daily routine like? Where you just the same thing that you kind of do every day? Yeah, my daily routine. Well, you know, I get up in the morning. Um, I, I prefer to sleep in if I can, but uh, most mornings I'm up a little early, uh, around eight or nine, I guess, which might be sleeping in for most people, but. Then I'll have my coffee with a little MCT oil, um, and I'll immediately after that I'll either read a little bit out of a book or do a little bit of journaling or a little meditation, depending on how I'm feeling that day. And then I try to just dive right into my first workout, whether that be jujitsu or uh, strength and conditioning or a long run, um, or if I have any sparring to do in the morning boxing or Muay Thai or something like that. And then I'll come home, grab lunch, rest up a little, uh, maybe take a walk on the beach or something, and then hit my next training session again, um, which will probably be a conditioning if I did a technique earlier in the morning. And then the last session will be, a, you know, a boxing, a midwork session or something late at night. Okay, so it sounds like you work out a lot, definitely a lot more than the average person, let alone the average American person. So yeah. that leads into the question, what's your diet like usually daily, I, I might add? Um, so my diet varies. Um, I've tried a lot of different diets. Ketosis was it is probably one of my favorite diets, and it's a ketogenic diet, I should say. And then... Uh, basically a high fat, low to no carb diet. Um, I don't do that when I'm trying 
training heavy just because I like a little carbohydrates. But I mean, I, I cheat a lot. I eat. Uh, I try to eat as clean as possible, and then at the night, at night, usually I'll have uh, you know a burger or some pizza or something like that. But um, oh, that's the worst too at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I uh, that's you know my re- my reward for the day, I guess. But um, my last fight, I actually tried something different. I did a strict carnivore diet. Okay. So basically, I was just eating steak pretty much. I would eat steak around noon and then at night I would eat eggs and a couple turkey burgers or something. Jeez. And I felt amazing. I felt uh, I felt stronger than I've ever been. I had the best conditioning. I had the easiest weight cut. I was the leanest I've ever been. Um, wow. Okay. I believe it had a lot to do with a high protein, low calorie type diet, but it was definitely the best I've ever felt. That's probably that's probably the opposite of what anybody would ever suggest to you to do. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting. I'm not a, I like nutritionists. I'm not a huge believer in them, just because everyone's body reacts so different to so many things. That, um, you know, I've seen some nutritionists giving their their guys eggs and toast in the morning, right? And, and bread to me in the morning is, is one of the worst things. It makes me feel sluggish. Uh, it makes me just get ready for bed again, you know? Yeah. I, um, bread after training, however, I could do. But, um, I, you know, I just try to experiment with a lot of different things and see what makes my body feel best. And even cheat days sometimes make me feel amazing. It's like my body just needed that uh, ice cream or whatever I'm putting into it, you know, for the night. Like, I try to just listen to my body as much as I can and, uh, and go from there. I think that's the best way to do it. I think no one can really tell you a specific diet or anything. I think you have to kind of try everything, do your own research, and figure out what makes you feel and perform the best. Yeah, I agree 100% on that because there's so many different diets. And, like, I don't know if you noticed, but since, like, the 80s and stuff like that, First, the, the the so-called experts were saying that you should eat a certain part of the egg, eat the yolk, don't eat the yolk. Then they, they say there's two types of cholesterol. Then you can eat all of it. You shouldn't eat any of it. So they never make up their mind. They always have something different to tell you on what to eat. So, Absolutely. And the thing is, is people will read headlines and people kind of skim through reading articles and stuff. But most of these articles on these diets, there's no controlled studies done. Um, I think... The diet that has the most science behind it, period, is the ketogenic diet. It has controlled studies. It has, uh, you know, blood monitoring. It it monitors everything. It's completely, it's just the most science that's gone into a diet. You know, there's just so many fads out there. The same goes for exercising and working out, you know, the get ripped in three weeks programs and stuff like that. They're all just. You know, some of them work to a point, but again, you have to figure out what works for you, and you have to really take the time to dig in and do your own research and, and figure out, you know, what makes you feel the best or uh, what controlled studies, what actual real science is behind these diets, because a lot of people just put stuff out, and then all of a sudden people are believing it, going on a huge trend. I mean, five years. 10 years ago, saturated fat was the worst thing you could eat, right? Like, you cause heart attacks and everything. Yeah. Now, one of the best diets around is based around saturated fats. Yeah. So, it's, 
you know. <laughs> we're, we're constantly evolving and learning new things, and I think you just it's important to stay on top of it. And my diet used to be terrible. You know, I used to eat eggs and toast, bacon first thing every morning, you know, tuna sandwich for lunch, a lot of bread. Yeah. Um, and then I just slowly just started diving into it way more. I mean, mm-hmm. the way it affects your performance on an everyday level, um, inflammation levels, it's, it's a huge key factor that allows someone to even train three times a day, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's just absolutely necessary. All right, so obviously I think most people can agree that it's pretty cool to be a prof- like a basically a professional athlete just, you know, making money from fighting and working out and training people. But what what do you think is the worst thing at least for you about having to make money by doing all these things and working out? Well, just like anything, once it becomes a job, you have to show up, you know. So there's a morning where I have a client at the gym who needs to be trained and I don't feel like going, I don't feel good, whatever it is. I had a hard training session um, the night before. I still have to go and show up. Um, not all people are the best to deal with. So that's a factor. You know, you get some clients you're not thrilled to see every day. Um, and as far as the fighting goes, I mean, it's just rough in itself. You know, your, your friends are going out to eat, going out for drinks and stuff, and you can't, you know, you're yeah. at home. You're in the gym working out. It, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of sacrifice that to really make it to a whole nother level and be very successful. It's just extremely difficult. And you have to be very disciplined and stuff. And at this current moment, I don't. I have a you know a head jujitsu coach who kind of helps with everything, but I don't necessarily have a head coach that's getting me out of bed every morning to go run or, or anything. So that's all on my own. Yeah. You know, that's what takes you to the next level. But the, the biggest thing is just the mental aspect of it. Like, it's a hard push, you know. It, people can work an eight-hour day and come home and complain about how they don't have time to work out. You know, and I think that's ridiculous. I think that it's an excuse, you know. I think if whatever you want, you'll just make the time for it. Exactly. And it's not always easy. It comes with a lot of sacrifice. Sometimes you lose friends. I mean... But it's, it's what you want in life, you know? Mm-hmm. So what do you think when you're fighting or training, what do you think your greatest strength is? Like a certain punch or, or your stamina or something like that? What's your greatest kind of strength? Um, I would say it's just the day fighting uh, versus when I – I think my greatest strength when I first – when I took my very first Muay Thai fight was that I was just completely fearless and I enjoyed getting punched in the face a little bit, as weird as that may sound. But it was like, uh, I just felt at home, you know? And now I think my greatest strength is that I'm just really calm and I'm fully present when I step in that cage now. Okay. I see everything that's happening. I see my movements. I see where the guy I'm fighting is going. I see what he's thinking where his eyes are looking um i just feel everything i feel the atmosphere just being real present now i think is absolute key i think it's helped me also have so much fun in there now you know it's not as stressful as it used to be because 
I'm in there and I'm having a blast. Like I'm, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about anything. I'm not zoning out. I'm not. You know, you don't get those crazy adrenaline dumps if you stay fully present. It's just a good feeling, and I think that is. Uh, I think that's my greatest attribute right now. Just because so many people, especially at the amateur level, are so just wild and kind of freak out when they get in there and then they get that adrenaline dump and and it's a wrap from there. You know, I think being calm and collective is the sight of a true professional. Yeah, I agree totally. So now going to the transitioning to the opposite side of that, what do you think is your greatest weakness that you or maybe not weakness, but just something that you need to work on the most? Um, I'm working on most, I think, I would say just wrestling as a whole is, uh, a big factor. Um, uh, my standup is really good because I did kickboxing, you know, predominantly for a while. Um, I did wrestle in high school, so I have a little bit better than most of the, these jujitsu guys, but, you know, a lot of high level wrestlers coming out of college, it's the first thing to do is go to MMA. There's not much else to do with wrestling. And now parents are pushing their kids to wrestle more at a younger age. You know, you have all these five-year-olds wrestling now. And some of these kids coming out of high school are just savages now. So yeah. I think wrestling always um, always needs to be improved. I think, I think everything constantly needs to be improved, even my mindset and being present and stuff. It's all, all a work in progress. Um, just constant improvement. That's one thing I love about mixed martial arts is there's just absolutely no cap. There's absolutely, you couldn't learn every martial art or you couldn't master every martial art. I mean, there's always something to learn, somewhere to go, someone to learn from. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing and keeps you from getting bored of the sport, you know? And mm-hmm. as soon as you think you know everything, you get humbled real quick. So it's a, uh, fun in that way for me all right so obviously being a professional athlete and just training as much as you do and training people at the gym on the side you know on top of all that probably comes with a lot of stress so what is your your best suggestion to people on how to handle stress and kind of relax i would say journaling and meditation are uh, two key things like that can just relax you in a second and I think when you have all these things rambling in your head, it's very important to just get it down on paper because it gets it out of your head. So you're not constantly thinking about a bunch of different little things that don't really matter. You could write it down on paper and you could just see it in, a, in an order or whatever. Um, it helps with insomnia sometimes, you know. Um, it, it's just very beneficial for me. It helps get me going in the morning. It helps keep me motivated. And then when I lack motivation too, I can go back and read these journals that I've written and see how, can immediately feel how motivated I was when I wrote something down about how I'm going to be the next UFC champion or whatever. Oh, that's you know, awesome. Can, that's cool. I can go back and really feel that. And I also, so another thing I've been working on is I own a CBD company now. Mm. or you know a lot of people think it's associated with cannabis and it's not it's not though yeah i've I've been seeing what i've been seeing what mike lee has been doing with his his has been extremely successful yeah he's doing very 
good for fighters, especially, um, you know, in a position like he is, you know, taking a lot of head trauma. One, it helps recover your brain, which is huge for combat sports or even football players who are getting their heads knocked around, wrestlers, whatever it is. Um, and that, you know, my CBD product that I take helps so much with my anxiety, either before I'm going to train or before a fight or before bed. Um, it helps wake me up in the morning and get my cognitive function just going well. It helps keep everything firing and it also keeps my inflammation low. So <clears throat> I think that's a huge key factor and one of my favorite supplements and now it's USADA approved and everything as well. So even UFC athletes can take CBD products now. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. So you've only had uh, five amateur fights, um, you know, sanctioned that are on record. <laughs> But to be fair, you're very young. So to, to date, what's your kind of greatest accomplishment, you think? Um, just inside the cage or out? Yeah, just, you know, it could be anything. Um, I think my greatest accomplishment, accomplishment in the whole fight world, honestly, is being able to be present in my fights. Like, I can't, I can't even stress that enough, how even high-level guys in the UFC I see that are freaking out or tense or timid or, or you could just tell their nerves are just on the edge or, and they hit that adrenaline dump. I mean, it happens every fight card, you know, and these are high-level guys. So for me to have this down very well at an amateur, as an amateur is, I believe, one of my greatest accomplishments. I mean, it, it, I think it's just helped so much and it helps me love the sport even more. It helps me love being in there because I feel like, I don't feel like I'm in a fight. I feel like I'm performing and doing what I want to do. And I feel like I could be as creative as I want when I have the other guy flustered, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm just as calm as can be whether things are going right or wrong in there. Okay. Uh, so for the most part, those are the all the questions that I have for you that are about you. Uh, and I'm just going to be asking you about some things that are going on in like the fight world. So, did you see the rematch between Canelo and Triple G? And what were you th what were your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I did see the rematch, um, and it, you know, Canelo is a tremendous fighter, but I think Triple G. First of all, the first fight, Triple G definitely won. Yeah, and the second fight could have been a draw. I don't think Canelo won either fight. And I think Triple G absolutely won the first fight. And the second fight, the most would have been a draw. I think Triple G had it. But, you know, it, the, the fight game is tricky. Boxing, MMA, it's all shady. It all comes down to who sells more. Yeah, for exactly. all the other promotions, they, um, they're good. You know, I feel like they're less shady than most. But, you know, they Canelo's their golden ticket, right? Like, if they lose Canelo or Canelo takes a loss, they're yeah. kind of, they, that's their money train right there. You know, yeah, they even just signed Canelo for a huge, what, what was it, 700 million or something? Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, yeah, he, so if, yeah, if he takes a loss, I mean, I see why it happened the way it did. Um, that's, Unfortunately, why fighting sucks, you know, Triple G worked very hard to get where he was, he was undefeated, and then 
in my opinion, won both fights mm-hmm. and comes out with a lot and a draw on his record now. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and I, to- yeah, I totally thought the first fight, I thought Triple G clearly won. I thought it was at least 8-4 to four, Triple G. And the second fight, I thought it was around 7-5 to five for Triple G. Definitely not a Canelo win in either fight, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think Canelo looks better the second fight. For he's sure. More, a lot more aggressive, but he still didn't have it. And the other problem is the judges in both these sports, boxing and MMA, they don't, they're, they're not fighters. And some of them aren't even real fight fans. I mean, they just they don't. I feel like you know. I feel like they don't have a right to judge. I feel like we can get fans to judge fights better. And yeah, I feel like honestly, they don't understand the sacrifice either, which is a huge problem. Like they don't understand how much work and how many years it takes a guy to get to Triple G or Canelo's level mm-hmm. and remain undefeated and. All these headshots, all these body shots they got to take, all this trauma, they're putting your body through all these injuries, and then for you to just rob them of a decision because this guy makes more money. Judges can't comprehend that because they've never been through it, and I think that's a real problem. I think that you have to experience it to understand like what these people go through. You know, It's not like they just woke up and became champion of the world. Yeah, like for that, sure. So. Yeah. Uh, so, did you watch uh, UFC 229? Yes. So, before I get to the main event and all the stuff that happened there, did you see the um, the fight between Derek Lewis and Alexander Volkov? I did. How crazy was that fight? That knockout? Yeah. I love that. I love... Uh, I like the Black Beast. I think it's entertaining. Um, I mean, that was... And that was insane, you know, to come back. And uh, he just showed true heart, I think. He's clearly physically exhausted. He took a lot of heavy shots, a lot of heavy shots in the body. He was very winded. To come back with most guys would have been so mentally beat, they wouldn't even try it in that last 30 seconds. You yeah. know, they wouldn't have even, they wouldn't even, <laughs> it, it would have just been, over, you know, mm-hmm. in that third round again, people probably would have stopped trying. And he comes back and he knocks him out in the last thirty seconds. I think, I think that's phenomenal. I think it shows true heart and true. That's a true warrior to be able to do that. I think that's mm-hmm. very difficult. Yeah, you know, I actually, I actually know one of Volkov's coaches, and he was just fuming after that after that result. I bet. I mean, he was in control the whole yeah. fight. And if you remember, Volkov was actually very nice. There were there were some times where he could have definitely finished Lewis off, but he kind of just didn't have that killer instinct and was just too nice in there, which is a bad mistake. Yeah, you know, and uh, he he should have played it safer, in my opinion, that whole third round. You know, maybe shot for a takedown. You know, Lewis doesn't have uh, the best wrestling. And he, stay away from him. You know, there was no need for him to really engage that last 30 seconds. Yeah, not at all. You know, I think his, his corner should have been yelling uh, short time through the fence, and, and he could have just kept his distance because it was just unnecessary to try to get a brawl with a guy who you know has that one-punch knockout power when you just dominated the entire fight. Yeah. You know? Well... So I think, I think that was a bad mistake, but... 
So now you know that um, I'm not sure if you know, but Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, he's main eventing UFC 230 against Daniel Cormier. So what do you think of that? Who do you think is going to take that one? Yeah, I mean, if I was a betting man, I would bet DC all day. I think here's what I think about DC. I think DC after John Jones. I don't know if you remember this fight, John Jones fight fought OSP after he came back from his suspension, and he didn't look that good. And DC didn't take that fight. And then after DC was saying he wished he would have fought John Jones on that night because John Jones wasn't at his best, obviously. Yeah. And I hate that about DC. I really do because I think it's just it's just a weak thing, you know. To say uh, yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not a champion's mentality and stuff. I get it's a business. Um, I get why he's doing it, but I think he's doing the same thing with Derek Lewis. I mean, Derek Lewis is taking this fight on four weeks' notice. Yeah, I mean, he just fought a grueling fight. I mean, come on. Yeah, three rounds war that he was losing the entire time, and now he has he comes back to fight DC. Uh, you know, DC is definitely one of the best to ever do it. Can ever take that away from him. Mm-hmm. But I think DC's cardio and wrestling. I think it's just going to be. I can see it being a boring smothering fight, kind of like the Anderson Silva DC fight, where he's just not gonna take any chances. But How did Anderson Silva even fight DC? They, I feel like Silva's so much smaller. Yeah, yeah, they fought at a two hundred five. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah, I mean, this is—he's—he can't take anything away from him. He's one of the best. But uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's right. Not one of the most exciting cards. Not at all. But he, he doesn't even seem like he doesn't even look like he's in shape. He looks kind of chubby, don't you think? Daniel Carver. Yeah. Yeah, but he um his cardio still, even though he carries that weight, his cardio is a heavyweight. He runs a lot. Um, yeah. He's just really good. And I saw in one of the embedded too that uh Derek Lewis was working on takedown defense constantly. And I think I think that's a big mistake because in four weeks' time, you're not going to learn how to defend a takedown better than DC could shoot a takedown. Like, DC is an Olympic wrestler, and it's just different levels that you're not going to reach in four weeks. We you can know, try, you know. So I think DC should, or uh, Derek Lewis should be working how to land that big shot faster than he normally does. Mm-hmm. I think he should be focused on getting a shot in before he gets taken down, not necessarily working takedown defense because... Uh, yeah, he's I not going to get to that level. Yeah, just different levels. Like, you can't try to match someone. That's why it's MMA, right? So you can beat styles with another style. Mm-hmm. You have to learn that style better than they are. You know? All right, uh, so... Now let me ask you about the main event with uh, McGregor and Nurmagomedov and all, all the BS that happened there. Just w- what are all your thoughts on that fight and the post-fight controversy? Yeah, from a, from a tough one for me. So I'm a huge McGregor fan. Um, but, you know, I think he got mauled. I think he got absolutely destroyed the entire fight. I think he, he might have won the third round. But, um, you know... Khabib's a different animal, and I think sort of the same thing happened there. Connor's just working on takedown defense constantly. He's constantly worried about the takedown. And Khabib's like not a good striker at all, and landed a big shot on Connor. Yeah, Khabib, Khabib somehow knocked him down with a right hand, just one punch. That was crazy. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's because he was so focused on that takedown. Yeah, you know, he for was sure. So focused on Khabib shooting him that he forgot all about his offense. Mm-hmm. And again, like when you're fighting a guy like that, you just have to accept he's gonna take you down. You're not gonna stuff his takedown. You know, mm-hmm. six weeks isn't enough time. So you got. I think when you train for a wrestler like that or a grappler, you have to train to get your shots in very quickly, very efficiently at the beginning, then just get taken down and train to conserve your energy until the next round and get your shots in at the beginning, you know? Especially mm-hmm. that fight, you know, it's five rounds, you have plenty of time, you could lose all five rounds and, and knock them out. Yeah, definitely. tired of taking you down, you know? And I think... I just think his game plan, his energy, I felt like it was a little off. I mean, I'm biased anyway, but um, that being said, I don't think that there should be an immediate rematch. Yeah, I agree. It's not like Connor was close to winning, so I don't think that that's fair to a big money grab fight, obviously, but yeah, I, Khabib destroyed him. Khabib absolutely proved that he's you know the best in the world. Um but what do you think of the brawl that happened right after the fight? Yeah, the brawl after. So, uh, obviously it was very unprofessional. Um, you know, I I don't think... Connor's done a lot of stupid stuff too, and that's what people keep going back to over this whole thing. And well, Connor threw a dolly at the bus and, and hurt someone. You know, he did. He also jumped in the crowd at Jose Aldo, but he didn't physically attack Jose Aldo. That's true. He jumped over and he's throwing punches. And there, you know, there's fans right there. There's innocent people. Oh yeah, a lot of. I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw videos, but there were a lot of, um, you know, Irish and Russian fans fighting like after the fight was over, just like in the in the arena, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Two big cultures, you know. I think America. We just. I don't think we can understand what was going through Khabib's head because we don't have a fan base like that. We don't have, I feel like Americans in general, not everyone, but most of us support the winning person or the winning team. And as soon as they're not winning anymore, we forget about them. I mean, it's it's just Irish and, and Russian like that. It's about their country and where they came from. And they're carrying countries on their back. You know, I think uh, Americans don't appreciate that enough. So I think it's a different level. I think it's a different level of Khabib's obviously very emotional. So he did what he felt he had to do. Um, as well as guys that, that jumped in on Connor, I did see a video after where Connor actually hit one of Khabib's cornermen first. Yeah. And then they jumped in her age. Um, I, that was probably the worst because, it's, you know, Connor just got strangled and it was a grueling four round fight for him that he lost, you know, got destroyed in, and now these guys are coming in bare knuckles and hitting him. I think that was the, that was probably the worst of it, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I hope for the sake of seeing Khabib fight again, I hope it's a short suspension, I hope that they're back soon, and I, I hope to get to see Khabib fight again, like, I don't, you know. Yeah, I'd love to see Khabib. I'd love to see uh, Khabib fight Tony Ferguson. That would be an amazing fight. Yeah, I think I think that's the fight to, to make. Or Connor or Tony, you 
Tony Ferguson if Khabib has a year suspension and gets stripped. I don't think he'll be suspended Um, for a year. And even if he does, you have to remember that I think most people don't understand that when he's going to get suspended, he's only going to be suspended in Nevada. So they can literally fight in any other place on earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they can always fight in like, they can always fight in Go ahead. Dana White, after the fight, was talking about how his uh, visa and stuff might get pulled, but um, I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. Even they already gave. Um, they're they're gonna do an investigation, and Nevada already gave Khabib half of his purse after they were withholding all of it. So they already gave half of his purse, and you know, Khabib and Connor are both suspended until they do until they have a hearing, like in, um, I think the end of this month or early next month. So I think it'll be a lot. I think it'll kind of blow over, you know, while. In, within the next few weeks and people will kind of stop talking about it and eventually I think the punishments won't be as harsh as what people thought they would be I do too because especially because ultimately it's a business even for the athletic commission so they might give him um, this whole thing might take six months to be finished with their trials and everything and then it might just be a six month suspension from when he got you know uh, from when the incident happened so he might be fine anyway and I think Nevada's going to want Khabib to fight again in Nevada. I don't think they're going to want to suspend him too long, like you said, because then they just go to New York or something. And I think yep. Nevada wants that money, you know? Yeah, so um, um, what do you think about, you know, there's been lots of stuff now since the Khabib and Connor fight, since Khabib just kind of became a big-time celebrity now so because of the fight. I mean, pe- guys like you and I, you know, pretty um, – devoted MMA fans knew about Khabib for a long time, but I think the, the average person didn't really hear about him and, and they kind of know way more about him now with the whole thing with the brawl, like we talked about. So do you think it's possible that he would possibly fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match? What do you think about that? I, I don't think that's a likely scenario. Um, I think if Mayweather is talking about that, honestly, I think Mayweather is, is maybe starting to lose his money. Yeah. Something else, but Khabib, he's still, he's not going to sell like Connor would. He still won't. Um, he doesn't have the personality at all. He doesn't have the personality, and his fighting style is very effective, but fight fans, for the most part, want to see people get knocked out, not see people go to the ground. And for sure. It's unfortunate to say that, especially being a fighter. I think his fight style is. It, it works probably almost better than any other fight style. I mean, he takes the least damage. And, you know, he barely gets hit, and then he just mauls people for three rounds. I think it's a very, very effective fight style. But I don't, I don't think he'll be a big draw. Maybe for a couple fights, but and for him to fight Mayweather, he's a full blown wrestler. I mean, that would be the most ridiculous thing ever and I think Khabib would even be foolish to take that fight because it's he's not a, a well-known striker so um yeah I don't I don't see that fight ever happening really yeah I agree with you so let me ask you this is a question about you these last uh, three last three questions of this interview will be about you uh who, who's your favorite fighter right now and favorite fighter all time I think my favorite fighter right now would have to be Joanna Jancic. Oh, I know I her. Mean, She's Polish, right? Polish fighter. Yeah, she was the one fifteen pound champion. Yeah. She is. Uh, 
I mean, as far as technique, I mean, she's just, it's the most beautiful work of art watching her fight, in my opinion, especially coming from a Muay Thai background. And she's not like a person knocking people out. She's technically beating them round after round after round. I mean, I think she's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually met her one time and I was completely speechless. I couldn't even speak to her. Uh, she's, She's definitely my favorite fighter. Um, another one would be uh, Israel. I can't say his last name. Uh, it starts with an A, but he's actually fighting this weekend. Mm. He's fighting uh, Derek Brunson this weekend. Mm. Okay. But he's, he's a middleweight. And he's from, from Glory, and he's absolutely another one of my favorite fighters. I mean, just so technical. Takes people apart round after round, and I love that. I appreciate that. Um, I think you're getting your money's worth over a fast knockout. I think it's just such a beautiful display of true martial arts where you're just taking someone apart stylistically, you know, mm-hmm. um, using a different style to beat someone else's style. is just, I, that's what MMA is about, in my opinion. And that's what Joanna and this kid Israel do so well. So both of them, for sure. All right. So, Actually, you kind of answered my next question while answering this one. Um, so was has there been a fighter that you met that kind of left you speechless, that you were shocked at meeting them? Yeah, definitely Joanna. That's where she fought uh, Claudia Gedalia in, in Vegas. I was actually in Vegas at the time, and I saw her at a Cheesecake Factory, and he just bought her table uh, shots, Polish shots and stuff. That's cool. And, uh, I was with my girlfriend and she told us to come over and my girlfriend had to wind up speaking for her, for me the entire time. I couldn't even answer the questions. I was just so starstruck. Like it was just Damn. unreal. And, and usually I'm not like that. Like I, you know, I see fighters, I train all the time. Like I've sparred with um, even Mike Lee before and, and, you know, he's a very accomplished boxer, but this was like, I don't know. It was just another level for me. Uh. All right, so last question for you here. So obviously every fighter, kind of MMA fighter, wants to make the UFC, and that's kind of the ultimate goal, to be a UFC champion. Do you honestly think that you can one day be in in the UFC and be a successful fighter there? Uh, 100%. Yes, I think think I'm, I'm getting the right connections now. I think that's probably the most important, even over being a great fighter. Um... And I think that it's a matter of time. Absolutely. All right. So, I mean, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for your time and doing this interview and um, talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. All right. So there you have it. That was Zach Takis, um, amateur MMA fighter. That is a UFC hopeful. Thank you so much for listening. This was a pretty long episode. We had a great interview, talked about a lot of things as you have just listened. So, and um, yeah, I'll see you guys on on the next episode, which will be recorded in a few hours. Back to the regularly scheduled programming, so to speak. Thank you.